Transformers The Last Night is the final film in the series directed by Michael Bay, and somehow has the dumbest plot of any entry so far. And that really is saying something. I'm pretty much convinced that Bay's just trolling the audience at this point. Let's get this over with. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We get together and we talk about a science fiction film that we've watched. It's really quite that simple. And today we are in the fifth entry of the Transformers franchise. We started working through them a few months ago. We have every other week for the past two months hit out the sequels so that we're all cut up for the new one coming out and this is the final one bumblebee obviously came after this but we already did that back right at the start of the show so that's already done we could have to worry about that so this is the final transformers film before the new one that we have to do and notably it's the only one that i hadn't seen before so this was a, a maiden voyage for me on transformers the last night so, we're going to get into it. We'll start spoiler-free, as we always do. We'll give you warning before we get into it. I don't really want to give a bit of a plot summary. I think most of it should just stay in the spoiler section. But needless to say, there's a bunch of King Arthur bollocks, as the poster and title would probably imply. So, that's all you're getting from me. Because so much of it's so goddamn dumb, I am saving it until I can rant about it properly. So, we'll get straight into just the, the, the brass tacks, Tara... How do you feel about Transformers The Last Night? Um, I didn't enjoy it very much. Um, what? I, I found it to be long and irritating and confusing. Uh, way too much like happening at once. It's basically more of the same. Maybe slightly like less annoying than other ones, so it's probably like middle of the road, I guess. But but I I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy any any of these. I wish these movies were were different. I wish they were all different. I wish they were. I wish they just like okay, like the last one was like, hey, we're going to have real historical events, and it turns out the Transformers were always, like, part of them, and were retconning history. I mean, the, 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 and, what did you mean the fourth one? The third one had that, too, and the second one yeah, kind of yeah, had the, that. The last two had that, right? And so, like, okay, that's kind of a fun thing if you really, like, go for it. This one's like, well, what if we just say, like, fantasy is real, and then the fantasy stories, like, myths are also inspired by the Transformers are like actually happened because the Transformers and it's like, okay, why don't you just give us those stories then? Like, why not just do a King Arthur story, but with like Transformers, like just make it silly. Like make these up, make these like episodes of the TV show, which probably this, weren't as silly as these, but like, why not just go for it? This was already silly. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> this was I mean, like, absurdly dumb. Just tell the, the tale of King Arthur, but like, Make that the movie. <laughs> I mean, no, I, like honestly, even the second one kind of had this because the second one opened with the dawn of time. Transformers were every, every single one of these sequels has opened with the Transformers were here 
during this part of history. Transformers 2, it was, you know, Egypt. It was the dawn of time before the pyramids. Transformers yeah. 3, it was the moon landing. Transformers 4, it was... The, the bubonic plague or something. Dinosaurs and shit. Dinosaur. Yeah, there was... Yeah. And then this one, you've got, like, King Arthur stuff was all real. But, and... but that's the thing. Like, this is the first one where they're like, oh, the fantasy stuff, like, the myths is also, is also part of history and Transformers were there. I, I really don't care. I, I saw... I, I do the problem, the, 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 well, the problem, there's not one problem. <laughs> I shouldn't say such silly things. No, the, the problems with this are, are, are numerous, obviously, but it, obviously, there's the stupid stuff back, right? There's dumb characters, there's really immature humor. Uh, it presents itself in slightly different ways, but there's a lot of Michael Bay stuff in here. This one brings back some of the characters from the first three movies. Uh, not all of them, obviously, but a few of the smaller ones in various roles. But fundamentally, the biggest thing that's wrong with this movie is that there is so much just insane plot going so quickly that I legitimately, at points, started to really struggle with like knowing which group of characters, like why they were doing certain things, what the motivation for certain groups were, mm-hmm. what was the the point you're, of you're entire good at sections. That. That's why you do all the plot <laughs> recap stuff for this. Like, you're, I'm, I'm actually quite impressed by your ability to recall what happens in, in films for plot. Because I watch something and I'm like, well, it's gone. <laughs> Good thing Peter was paying attention. <laughs> but, I mean, no, I was genuinely struggling. It, so, basically, there's just too much going too quickly. And I'm not, like, there's maybe like the the the, the tiniest slither of like a good concept here or there right and i, yeah, I do like all of them have that i do mean a tiny slither but the problem is is that they're piling on so much there's too many characters most of the characters like the, the trailer for this right the trailer for this movie because i remember the trailer relative i mean vaguely well enough and mm-hmm. the two key things that stuck out to me in the trailer for this the two things that it set up is that optimus is bad for some reason right that was number one and number two it presented as if we had a new main character who was this sort of like teenage girl who mm-hmm. was like a scrappy like sort of kid who's going to help the 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 Autobots, right? Both of those elements in this movie are so tiny compared to what it felt like they were going to be based on the trailer. And even just like the entire opening twenty minutes, half hour of this movie is largely setting up this this teenage kid and her sort of new friendship with Mark Wahlberg's character. And then she just disappears for two She's hours done. and it has like a little bit near the end, and that's kind of a optimus prime they set up early on oh he's going to be turned evil by something we'll get into it all in spoilers what's going on and then there's a big gap with no optimus and he finally makes his appearance and the entire thing is resolved in about five he's minutes like, it's, he's like the evil evil superman in uh justice league he's like oh you're gonna get evil superman for like 30 seconds <laughs> it, I even even just in the context of the its own movie of like what it sets up and how long it takes building building to something it's so underwhelming how quickly it's just like oh and now it's just it's, it's over uh on to the, the next thing it's it's for a movie that's two and a half hours long and this kind of goes for all of them to an extent but i really felt it with this one for a movie that's two and a half hours long it speeds through so much plot so quick and much like the last few movies it ends so abruptly where yeah. optimus has a little speech and then like like it's, it's almost a jump scare when the directed by Michael Bay credit pops on the screen. 
Yeah. And, you know, we, we always say that Peter Cullen has a great voice. He does. It's always welcomed when we hear Optimus with his voice. But at, at this point, you know, five movies in, I'm like, okay, yeah, I am Optimus Prime. Like, how many times are you going to say it and that yeah. I have to be, like, impressed by? Because <sighs> that's, like, the only line you have every single time. Well, he's got a couple of speeches. <laughs> the problem I had, though, his speeches just... Sit- because the, the, the whole thing's so incoherent and, like, the ideas are so unfocused, like, when it gets to some speeches, I just, like, the movie's not set up while you're making this speech, and your speech yeah. doesn't make a whole lot it's of a sense. Little, it's a little Star Trek Picard, which, by the yeah. way, we have an actor from Star we Trek do, Picard we in do. Rios <laughs> is, is in there. Um, Cristobal! <laughs> yeah, Josh Duvall's back as well from the, the, the first bunch of movies. Stanley Tucci's back, but not as the character he played in the last movie. He's playing Marilyn in the flashback yes. stuff. Historically accurate Marilyn. <laughs> I'm glad you're an expert um, about King Arthur and all that. <laughs> no, I'm you're not. from the UK. No, so I am definitely it'll not. It would be very helpful for me. <laughs> I'm not sure how to tackle what you just said, uh, because some dumb people will actually think King Arthur's like a real bit of history or something. Um <laughs> like that, that, that i mean honestly his merlin at the start of the movie was the first like oh no some of this comedy like because he's, he's a comedy character his merlin is played for laughs the entire time yeah. uh so we'll we'll you know we'll get into that um like john Turturro is actually back in this he's, it's a really small role it's practically just an extended cameo it's like yeah it's in a cameo basically um, but like he's there uh our general uh glenn Morshower's back uh at his general role it is very general. It was, it's just it's his, it's his, it's what he does. It's what he was in the first three. He's back again. <laughs> yep, he's uh, looking at screens. He's pointing at people. He's saying, right. I, need, I need authorization for the tactical nuke. That's like the one line I think he said that I remember. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Uh, but our new characters, there's two, two, well, other than the teenage girl who I already mentioned, there's two prominent new characters. There's Anthony Hopkins, and we can't talk about what his role is it's all spoilers but it's like i burst out laughing in a delirious like help me please some higher being oh, help I'm me glad from you this got movie. some enjoyment out of this all right it, it wasn't good laugh though it was like i'm having a nervous breakdown laugh with like his stuff uh, <laughs> and then the Just other is all man the other addition okay. is our, our sexy love interest for this movie uh is some like posh British lady. english yeah. Yeah, professor lady who's like I don't know. She's from a rich family. She's a professor at Oxford. She uh, plays polo. She plays polo. Yeah. Um, how posh? How very rich of her? That, that's basically yeah. That, that's basically all, all I've got for you. Um, she's at least she was at least in her thirties at the start of this movie, which you know is. <laughs> Are we sure about that? Yeah, I think so. I looked her up because I was curious because I just assumed there was a big age gap between her and Wahlberg. She's 37 just now, so she would have been like 31. Well, Wahlberg's like, what, 50? Yeah, but she, yeah, but the point I'm making is she was at least in her 30s when they made this. Okay. But yes, I, it did cross my mind at one point that they introduced her, and it's clear they're sort of introducing her as the potential love interest for Mark Wahlberg, and I thought, she seems closer to your daughter's age than she does your age. I'm just going to put that out there yes um i was kind of see when she she went to oxford early on i thought she was going as a student and then she puts (laughs) on some glasses and she's like oh she's a professor 
Okay. Yes, I I also thought the same thing. <laughs> that, I I genuinely thought that, uh, and then I was like, oh, okay, all right. She's she's got a, a a proper job, a very prestigious job. Therefore, she is an adult. A smart adult. Smart and adult. sexy. I mean, yes. You have to be though if you want to be in a Michael Payne movie. Well, that's the whole thing. She's the sexy teacher, right? That's what they're going for. Yeah, yeah. Which, by the you way, can't get a date. <laughs> all, all of the flirting between her and Wahlberg is like really forced and like awkward. It's all this like, like there's just sort of like thrown into innuendo, and they're just like sniping lines backwards and forwards at each other, like really quickly and talking over. It's just like uh, Sam Witwicky's parents. It's so adorable. All I have to do is just accidentally say the things that make people think of other things, then. That's where the magic happens. That's where the sparks are. The all sparks, if you will. Excellent point, Tara. I heard it all. Uh, <laughs> all of it. Uh, but yes. Yeah. Everything I said was um, was quite good. <laughs> um, yeah. Like their their romance is is just you know it's just a sports thing. Uh, but. Honestly, the, so the, the the two big problems are just how messy and insane the plot is, and how stupid it just starts like retconning things and like you know saying all these big wacky ideas. Because um, at this point, you know, like like we've been saying, all the sequels have done this thing where Transformers were secretly already here for something in the past. This movie takes that and like turns it up to not not even eleven. It turns it up to like fifty five or something. Like it's Mark Wahlberg's age. It turns it up to Mark Wahlberg's age. That that is what it does. Say hi to your mother for me. <sighs> he, is, he is the age that he should be dating people's mothers. I mean, that's that's fair. <laughs> but, like, so you've got that problem, and then you've got this just insane pacing where absolutely nothing is allowed to breathe. And you've got the quick cuts during, like, all the exposition scenes as well as the action scenes, so everything is just firing so quickly and Anthony Hopkins is spouting some of the most insane exposition that's been uttered in these movies. And that's saying something, because th- this franchise has had, like, really dodgy, absurd exposition that we're just, like, the characters just take at face value very quickly. This movie yeah. turns that up, I get. Like, all of it is just turned up. Like, is it the worst one? Probably not, because Revenge of the Fallen still exists. But I think the plot in this is the dumbest i think this is the dumbest most they just did not care anymore it's just nonsense and the worst thing about it is that in a weird way it feels like it's regressed and there's focused less on the transformers than it was the last couple of movies like i i felt like there was whole yeah, points again, here where they're, they're gone for like so much of yeah. the film it just ignores them and we follow the the the, the human quest uh, which we'll get <laughs> yeah <sighs> so no. it's annoying it's a it's an annoying franchise you know because it's not like there's not good in them there is like we i can see the good stuff that's that's there the bones of a movie in a in a director who had like rules he had to follow or like or someone or just someone else i guess you know like transformers are cool and they could make fun superhero movies but they are they're just, they're so messy and like everything is, is super horny, but like not in a fun way. It's always in like a gross way or like a cringe way or 
Um, you know, or and then there's like the kid aspect of this too. And I was like, well, why is this all stuff? Why is this stuff all mixed together in the same film? Like, I hate that. And yeah, like, honestly, you're see, right. It's so it's so plot it's so plotty, especially like things happen so quickly that if you do like take a second and look at your phone and you go back up and you're like, why are these two characters together all of a sudden? Yeah, they what, with this other group? And... Why is this one fighting this one? <laughs> what, 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 you know, yeah, why are they chasing them? Like, there's a Wait, lot. Uh, of what stuff happened to like the that. other people that were with them, or the other Transformers that were there? Uh, Should uh, they be here for this? Like, <laughs> honestly, when the movie was starting and it was like, okay, we've got this scrappy kid and she's like befriending Autobots, I was like, you know what? This actually seems like an interesting pivot, right? Give me like a younger character who's got a bit more heart and can. Yeah, and she's a, she's decent. Like she's yeah. a decent little actress. I I enjoyed watching her, you know, interactions, it... and she's good with special effects acting. Yeah, I, I guess in some way it's kind of what Bumblebee ended up becoming. But you know, just give yeah. me like a, a simpler, you know, more innocent character who can like bond with the Autobots and like help them out. Like, I feel like this is, this is an interesting pivot, but then, of course, it doesn't stick to that. In fact, not only does it not stick to that, it abandons it completely after, like, another 15 minutes. And not just that, but, like, even in the scenes where, like, she's, like, doing stuff and being, you know, um, being scrappy and fun to watch, then, like, other kids are there to be, like, to get horny on her? Like, what? what is this? Like, I, I don't want this in here. <laughs> like, this is it's gross. Like, sure... <laughs> I guess you know, fourteen-year-olds could be like um, attracted to each other or something, but like, I, I, I don't know. Like, it, it just, it's just uncomfortable, and I, I don't, I don't want to I mean, watch I, that. I, I was just like a, a little reminder of, oh yeah, it's a Michael Bay movie. It's gonna be stupid. Hold on, I, I wouldn't describe them as acting horny. I mean, I suppose you could sum it up that way because it is, it's like the other kid wants to date her. He's clearly attracted to her, but. At the very least, yeah. there's no sex jokes made or any no, innuendos no. made. He's just like a young Sam Witwicky seeing a young Megan Fox or something. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> but <laughs> they're just like a couple years younger from the first film. But you know, he he just kind of like, uh, you know, he's clearly into her, and he he says like, you know, what's that Autobot? And she's like, as far as you're concerned, my boyfriend. And he's like, oh, how long's that been going on? Like, it's it's dumb, it's stupid, and it's not funny. <laughs> there's no charm to it. Um, no. And but I feel like it, there easily could be like the, like you can see yeah, that, if this was can... like a losers club you know like I'll, I'll find I'll living off like this uh, wasteland where there's transformers and like other things happening you know they have to be scrappy and industrious like I don't know that could be an interesting film <laughs> no, but even even like the attraction part of it like it, it could easily be quite charming having a kid have a crush on the other kid oh yeah and, totally like that, that, yeah. i can easily see how that would work it's just it doesn't because it's in the michael bay lens of like the only way he knows how to like handle and he's not even writing the script but somehow all of his scripts are curated for his taste is <laughs> is that the only way he can show it is like have like the guy stare at the girl and because even Wahlberg in the love interest even though they don't start off that way there is a moment like really mm -hmm. and it's really weird like quite early on and like they're they're back and forth where she comes in wearing a dress and he says something about how i don't know he says something that's inappropriate or like really you're wearing the fancy like evening gown dress when we're doing this stuff and she's like well, if it bothers you so much, maybe I should take it off. Which I thought was a weird line as well, because I'm like, that's like bait. You're baiting him with that line almost uh, to make a, a pervy comment, and he just goes, "Yeah," <laughs> and it just, it's, I don't know, it's like the whole interaction felt off. It, again, it felt like this is dialogue written by a twelve year old boy who is really horny. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Ah, uh, there. And it's honestly the least of this movie's problems, but it's you know it's still yeah, there. It's that's been, true. It's been this thing consistent through all of them. You know, it's been up and down in each movie, depending on, you know, the last movie. Well, the last movie kind of had the worst of it, but in a weird way, it kind of had the least of it as well because the main character and the the main chick, if you will, uh, were father and daughter. So well, there was some dumb boyfriend stuff, but the boyfriend character, for the most part, it didn't delve into dumb attraction shit in the same way that a lot of the other ones have but obviously those first ones with with uh Whitwicky and him like listing after the hot babes and then this has a couple of different examples of it you know yeah. um but i'll just i'll just say it right here the running gag that uh so so what's her main chick's name uh she is vivian oh yes because optimistic one vivian where's vivian we need vivian uh, anyway so vivian <laughs> Vivian's like mother and her aunties are always hanging around the big like estate that they all live in, and they're basically trying to find her a date by looking at like the ads in the news. Which, by the way, does anyone still do this? Do people send in like, like, I don't know. This this feels like something. No, it's it's a British thing, right? So, <laughs> what? What are you talking about? Well, they're in the UK. I'm sorry, do you think the UK is like in 1986 right now? Like what? Maybe, maybe you guys are taking a little time to catch up. We have the apps now for that though. There's a whole sequence here where the aunties and the mum are like reading these different ads and they're going, oh, this, sounds, this one sounds nice, he's got a dungeon. And like they make some jokes about, you know, someone having a dungeon. And when they see Mark Wahlberg later, they're like, does he have a dungeon? Like... It's all so juvenile. It's almost like Michael Bay watched Fifty Shades of Grey somewhere between <laughs> movie four and five and wanted to put in a joke. Yeah. Well, even the beginning of this, I was I was thinking that they that this seems like they're trying to capitalize on Game of Thrones popularity. So I think this is like around the end of that series, though. Having like uh, an opening with dragons and um, a more like I wouldn't say realistic, but a uh, that more gray toned um battle scene with fire and yeah, dragons and stuff i'm like okay looks like the game of thrones but transformers style <laughs> yeah don't you dare say realistic <laughs> don't, what don't you dare, what don't you dare say realistic <laughs> you're not allowed <laughs> <laughs> but it's got that color the color palette of like Game of Thrones in the beginning. It, it's got that. Uh, this is a video game in two thousand seven where everything's grey and brown mm-hmm, color scheme. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, the Gears of War color scheme, if you will. Even though every, everything is colorful, you know they've got like red and gold on their armor and stuff, or yellow, and it's still just like a super dull. <laughs> yeah, so somehow it's just everything's desaturated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to give the spoiler warning. I think it's time to get into it because fundamentally, I don't know how much more I can dance around all the dumb shit in this movie. Let's go. So the movie starts. Uh, I don't, I don't know what year it's supposed to be, but it's it's King 400 Arthur. Hundred something, four eighty something. It's King Arthur, and King Arthur and his knights are like trying to hold off the armies, and they're like, "Don't worry, Merlin's coming. Merlin's coming with the his magics. He's going to save the day." And it turns out. And I already was starting to giggle at this because this is just, again, they're inserting Transformers into something in the past, even though this is also like a fictionalized past, is 
Merlin's magic is actually a piece of uh, Transformers like technology that he uses, which controls a big three-headed Ghidorah-looking metal dragon. Uh, I believe his name is King Ghidorah. We're talking about, you know, the monarch state here. I mean, technically, this would be Mecha King Ghidorah. <laughs> Mecha King Ghidorah. <laughs> um, it, but there's a whole se- sequence here where Stanley Tucci, who you can barely even recognize because he's got like a big, you know, wig and uh, I actually did at on. first. I, I remember after I read it on IMDb mm. that you had mentioned that he was playing Merlin in the last uh, Transformers review. But I was like, gosh, he, he sounds familiar, but I don't recognize him at all. Like he had like a fake nose and a lot of hair. <laughs> I, I expected his character to show up later as well because I thought, oh, they've got him back. Yeah, so like have... he's going to, yeah. I've, I would figure, okay, so you need to have a descendant of Merlin. Well, it would be Stanley Tucci. Like, that's why you have him in Merlin makeup in the beginning. But there's a bunch of dumb comedy here where he's begging for help from this big, uh, like, so basically there's Transformers here that are on this ship uh, that's here in this time period and sort of get uncovered later who are neither Autobots or Decepticons. They're like night Transformers, right? They don't seem to actually transform into something by the looks of it. They're just sort of big metal dudes. Like like Sentinels. Yeah. Yeah. And he's basically just begging for help. And, you know, it's all just awkward comedy. He's just kind of like, please help me. I'll give up uh, booze and and money and women. I'll give up money and booze. You know, it's it's just all awkward comedy. It feels like a sketch. I feel like I'm watching a sketch from like a Saturday Night Live skit or something, you know, Uh, like, but I'm supposed to be taking this backstory seriously, that it's the, it's the premise for everything that's about to happen in this two-and-a-half-hour movie. Uh, it's supposed to have stakes. It's supposed to have all these things. But sure enough, Merlin shows up with a big metal dragon and uh, wins the war, uh, which leads us to, I think, Anthony Hopkins making a big speech about stuff. Or maybe that comes a bit later. I don't know. Actually, see, before we go through the different things in order, we'll talk about everything, but... Tara, I think we have to talk about it. I'm ready. The Order of Wit Wiccans. (laughs) How clever. (laughs) Don't you dare. I don't even want to hear you joke that it's clever. The Order of Wit Wiccans. The Order of Wit Wiccans. Can I just... So Anthony Hopkins is like the last member of a secret order, even though technically Sam Witwicky is is in it, because there's a photo of him with his goofy face like in this room. Yeah, they have like his... I think that was a photo that was used in another Transformers film. That sounds right. It's almost like Sam Witwicky didn't realise he was part of a lineage of uh, people who were there to help contain the secret of the Transformers. Right, and apparently even the trans because we find out Bumblebee was in World War Two, he doesn't remember it. Like it's all yeah, it's been wiped from his memory. But <laughs> so so, Anthony Hopkins reveals that this is a secret order that ever since the King Arthur days, Transformers have helped in human situations. So we get a quick flashback to like fighting the Nazis, and Bumblebee's got like a sort of more muted green color scheme, and he's killing Nazis. And, yeah, until he opens up, and then he's yellow. Yes, and then. Vivian is the descendant of Marilyn. <laughs> her dad was part of the that order. That would explain of... her alcoholism. 
her dad is like was one of the order of wiccans before he died and only she can control the staff okay. because it's is tied the is the witwicken like does that go back as far as like the merlin and arthur times or is because i mean witwicky was like the 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 one who accidentally grandpa witwicky right was yes. one who accidentally came across them in the arctic so is this when the order started with him no no it's just it, kind of a joke no it predates that it predates okay that. so he was destined to find I, this I, the, I, the, this the movie is thing. retconning the shit out of everything from the previous Around movies the Allspark, whatever yeah. yeah okay it's so, so dumb it's it's monumentally <laughs> I, stupid. I have to imagine that like michael bay and whoever the terrible writers are for this or maybe good writers that are forced to do this you know that that happens um I, I have to imagine they're like, you know, the audience, they're not really paying attention to, like, the lore. They're just there for popcorn and a fun time. So, and do your thing and just make make shit up. No one's going to remember. No one's going to care. They're all just there to see the next explodey movie with, with boobies. Have fun. <laughs> I mean, to have the- free reign to just make up whatever lore you want. Order of Wiccans. I mean, two of these three writers worked on the Uncharted movie and Men in Black International. Did we watch the Men in Black International? No, I've never seen it. We did the first Men in Black. I don't think we've ever gone back to no, that. No, we, we, <laughs> we never did the sequels. franchise nah. we started. <laughs> one day, one day. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, so, like, yeah, Marilyn's staff was buried with Marilyn and Vivian, because she's a descendant, she's the only one on Earth who can actually use it because it's tied to the DNA or the, you know, the, the genetics of Marilyn, right? So that's I love a- that there's always just one descendant alive from someone centuries and centuries ago. Everyone just had one kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's a, There's a lot of coincidence for that to happen, really, when you think about it, because, like, realistically... Yeah, you would have to have a very uncommon last name. Yeah, well, clearly at some point they changed the last name to avoid suspicion. You know, I have to keep uh, the whole Merlin thing a secret. Maybe Merlin was a was a nickname, and his real name was a secret. His real name was Haddock. <laughs> maybe because that's her name. She's Vivian named Haddock. after a fish. <laughs> yeah, she definitely wasn't. Uh... <laughs> that was de- that's definitely a changed name. Oh, so- sorry, sorry, sorry. That's the actress's name. Sorry, sorry. I- I'm. I glanced at her real name. Her real name's Laura Haddock. So, mm. the real actress is named after a fish. The, the, the character is Vivian Wembley. Wembley. How posh. <laughs> it's very posh. <laughs> okay, what do I even want? Where do I want to go with this? So, maybe Hopkins? <laughs> yeah. Well, can we talk about another character that I neglected to mention earlier, who's maybe my least favorite character in the whole movie, is... Anthony Hopkins human-sized transformer posh English butler robot. Yeah. I hate this. I hate I hate this character. I was also confused by how long this this transformer had been around. Like is this a transformer that was around from the beginning as well to like help guard the secret or help guard the person that is in charge of guarding the secret? As that gets passed down, does this Transformer butler get passed down? Because he was kind of saying, like, oh, I've watched a lot of my friends die or whatever. It's just part of the job. But, like, he talks so modern and, like, stupid modern. There, yeah, so... there's a point during a car chase uh, 
where he keeps yelling, move, bitch, get out of the way. Uh, yeah, or like, of all the sip masters I ever served, you were the coolest or something. <laughs> like, yeah, but it's a pro- even Anthony Hopkins, though, has got a lot of really <laughs> shitty, awkward dialogue where he'll just, like, throw in, like, little swears here or there. Like, he's, when he's walking through the, like, the, the castle or whatever, and he's saying, hey, that's my great auntie, she was a bitch, and then just keeps walking. And it's just this quick little thing that's meant to be funny, and it's like, it's, no, it's just it's just like super jarring or like try hard. <laughs> yeah, and he he does it later on. He calls someone a dickhead. He has these little jabs that he just throws in, and it yeah, all of it just feels really awkward. But the the English butler who like goes and collects Mark Wahlberg, uh, you know, he travels to the U.S. or whatever they are. I don't even know if it is the U.S. to be honest. Um, and gets Mark Wahlberg because he is the chosen knight. He's been picked by the technology, this medallion thing that I not up so yeah. right. So to go back to the start to sort of like settle okay, into yeah. all this crazy <laughs> shit we're doing. So we find out that Transformers have been declared illegal on Earth. And the only country on the planet that is accepting Transformers is Cuba, which is where John Tratoro's character is just hanging out with Transformers. But all of the Autobots from the last movie, and to be fair, they brought them all back. It's the, you know, it's the John Goodman one, it's the Ken Watanabe mm-hmm. one, it's the same And we, we got a Steve Buscemi one. Yeah, he's not in it for a lot. Yeah, he's not there for much, but yeah, he's, he's got like one scene where I recognize his voice and then I just... Yeah, it's, the voice is so clear. Yeah. Um, he's like, how do you do, fellow Transformers? Now, that's a good joke. <laughs> that's a good joke. Michael Bay, that's a freaking joke. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, basically... There's like Transformers hiding, right? And these kids, this group of random kids, like sneak into where because we we hear that more and more Transformers are landing on Earth. Like the the, the, the numbers are like going up and up. Like all these, like they're, they're kind of like meteors where they just kind of land. They crash land on different parts of Earth. And these mm-hmm. kids sneak into this site where one's landed, and they want to go and like touch it and go ooh and ah, and it wakes up. It's a little bit dangerous. But the big thing is though, is that there's this military group. And I'm forgetting the initials. It was something like TRF, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think that that's meant to be like a that's all Transformer letters. You know, if you abbreviate yeah. Transformers, it might. Without but that. I think it, it. Yeah, like Transformer Reclamation. Something. Something. Yeah. yeah. So they come in hunting the the Transformers, and this is one of the things that after the last movie. They had, there was a big, I, the big focus was like Kelsey Grammer was hunting, like he was working with Decepticons, he was hunting the Autobots, and that was a big thing. Here, yeah, everyone just seems to hate Transformers, but it was really confusing at various points in the movie, like what humans actually felt that way, and which ones were just going along because it was what they were being told to do. Because, you know, Josh DeMahill's character's back, and he obviously likes the Autobots, and he says he's following orders, and then you've got the other guy who's Rios from Picard, and he like hates all the Transformers, and he, he's desperate to kill them all. Um, but at the same time, like we're we're not like maybe twenty minutes out of the movie or something like that before these guys who are supposed to be hunting all the Transformers are like meeting Megatron in a desert with lawyers to like negotiate a deal. And mm-hmm. that, this was one of the scenes that stuck out to me as being absurdly stupid. So because they like they intercept communications of some transformers talking about this the staff of destiny the spear or the, the yeah the staff that's going to like <laughs> not the spear of destiny yeah, <laughs> that's going to be used to to you know destroy earth and it's like hey the decepticons are looking as well maybe we can work with them so 
Could you imagine? Like, go back to the first Transformers, right? Can you imagine watching that, being told that in f- four movies' time, Josh Duhamel is going to like have a comedy scene where he has a conversation with Megatron and there's like lawyers behind him, uh, and uh, like, and that's the other thing. Like, it was Galvatron the last one. He, you know, he was spiritually Megatron reincarnated, but now he's just been called Megatron. No one even brings up Galvatron in this one. He's just Megatron now. Maybe he has requested like. Yeah. I'll work with you if you call me Megatron. <laughs> but the, 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 this whole scene is basically in order to help the humans, which why why are they trusting them? They're literally called Decepticons. But <laughs> the, the, to help the humans, they want their other Decepticons freed from prison, right? Like a Suicide Squad style thing or whatever. And we get this montage where they get names. And was it just me that, that felt like all of a sudden all these Decepticons were really wacky and had personalities? Which, for all the things we've yes. said about all the previous Transformers movies, the one thing that was consistent is that all the Decepticons did not have really personalities. They, they were all just the same evil voice. They were all just, I serve Megatron. Like, they were all dead serious. Like, I, 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 I didn't hate it because that is a common complaint, and I'm sure that's why it was in this movie, that all the Decepticons are difficult to tell apart. So they have, like, this introduction, like a... Um, the only thing <laughs> I can compare it to really is, like... Um, creed when when the when the new fighter came up that he was fighting against like the name would pop up and they would have like its stats and stuff or i would have went more with doesn't inglorious bastards do this when it's introducing the various team members it's like here's the yes. bear jew and it's like boom you know bear jew <laughs> wait i actually don't remember if that happened but i believe it it, sounds it does seem like a tarantino familiar thing. yeah but yeah there's just like here's here's our guy and then he does a quirky thing and then the name pops up and it's a freeze frame and you're like okay or like suicide squad did this yeah so, yeah which yeah well, I, I don't uh, like, I, I, like get... I, I don't mind it like i'm like okay well we can have fun with this but but i still like don't care or like know who well, any of them yeah, are after it the, the, the two <laughs> problems with it is is that the characters themselves are stupid with bad humor right that's still a problem here even though they have more like they, they basically they've just given them the personality of the goofy autobots that we hated in the previous year this, this is the the it's you know it's the, it's the ones from the second movie that everyone hated it's the ones from the third and fourth movies that everyone hated they're just decepticons now but the, the bigger problem with it is that most of them like are in one scene after this and then just die like they're just all yeah, gone the movie's too long, and then we don't. <laughs> if we do see them again, I'm like, that's that was so long ago. I don't remember those introductions anymore. <laughs> the only one outside of Megatron that's memorable is actually one that they've brought back from the first movie. There's the cop car barricade. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because they sort of like focus on him a little bit, but and that was a good one. Like, well, in the first movie. Yeah, but but much like so many things in this movie, there's so many things going on that they introduce the Decepticons. They have a scene soon with the Autobots after this, but. Then they're just gone. Like, there's a point in the movie where Megatron comes and takes the spear, and it's like, you know, going to act three, and I'm like, oh, I guess they're a threat again. I guess they're still around. Like, they've been gone so long, they've not been a factor in the whole movie. You know? It's, like, there's so so many things in this. There's too many enemies, you know? There's too many people. There's the human factions that are against the the Transformers. There's, like, the Decepticons that are coming after the Transformers. There's, like, the big villain and the transformers there's a lot of stuff is 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 hunting these transformers so it's like i don't know who's it gonna be it could be anyone just roll the die <laughs> whoever pops up yeah so 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 that's a problem with the septicons um but anyway so yeah we're introduced to uh was it eliza 
not Isabella, Isabella, uh, is introduced. This just is the teenage kid who has her own little like transformer that she's fixed up. That's kind of like it's cute. Cute, cute yeah. One. They're going for like a BB-8 style thing almost, where it's this helpful little robot that's small. And... Oh, she is scrappy. Mm-hmm. Um, and she ends up trying to save like an Autobot from the military, but or from from the the transformer. No, there's like. That's right. There's like Star Wars style like walker things that come in and try and like yeah, they look like uh, ATSTs. Yeah, and they try and shoot the uh, the transformer that's walking up, and she sort of like makes them shoot each other. So it shows she's smart. And at this point in the film, I'm like, oh, they're showing that she's capable, that she can think on her feet, and she's going to solve problems. And then she's just sidelined for the whole movie. And the like the one thing yeah. she does in the final big thing of the movie is so small and almost inconsequential that it just feels like why is she in this film? Like. Like she, she was promising at the start, and it felt like if the movie was going to focus on her, I was like, "This is a good direction to go in," but then it ignores her, and then it feels like she's pointless by the end of the film. It's it's really mm-hmm. weird. Like, is a is a script? This like a second draft is all I'm asking, guys. Like, <laughs> a second draft would be lovely. It's just you know, it would just be nice. Um, yeah, I wish these movies were different. Also, Mark Wahlberg comes riding in in his truck. He's been swooping in and saving Autobots where he can. Uh, he's with Bumblebee. And they introduce that Bumblebee can detach all of his parts and then reform. This feels like a big... This is like having the the Decepticon can disguise himself as a human in the second movie. Like, we're just introducing that he can just detach and come back to... And it's, it's fairly used again as well. Honestly, I thought that was like a Mark Wahlberg upgrade or something. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because he's been with mark Wahlberg, right like they've been hanging out together so that's what that's what my assumption was since he was like an inventor who worked on robots mm. like he gave them him this upgrade like now pieces of you can magnetize together so you can you know if you get torn apart you can be put whole again i don't know <laughs> i think that's a very generous read of mark Wahlberg's character's abilities <laughs> I guess that's what I, I just assumed because uh, this comes out of nowhere, and it I don't does, know if this yeah. is a thing he could do in the cartoons or like a toy version of him could do this or something, and that's why it's here. But like, I, I just assumed that that's what it that's what it was. They, they certainly <laughs> never bring it up if that's that that's something that he did. I mean, okay. they, they, okay. they definitely bring it up that he's trying to fix his voice, although it doesn't work, and then Bumblebee just speaks at the end anyway, but at his big climactic moment, which. Well, it's what we suspected, right? Is that he was always holding it back on purpose. <laughs> but that doesn't make sense at the start of the movie when if they put in the new piece and it doesn't work and he gets annoyed. He doesn't. He doesn't want to. He just wants to. Uh, he just wants to speak in movie reference. I mean, okay. I get it. That's how I talk. <laughs> oh dear. So, yeah, there's there's a bit of a fight scene and they run away. Uh, the, the girl, you know, Eliza. Sorry. Isabel, I'm going to keep saying Eliza now because I've said that once. Uh, Isabel c- comes with them and they go back to this junkyard where they're hiding out. Uh, the the robot dinosaurs are there as well. And I thought, oh, that's kind of... I did not expect them to remember that these existed because this, these movies are so good at forgetting half the stuff they did in the last one. I like the idea of it being a pet and mm-hmm. like, a, like a really, really big dog that you have to keep track of. But I, it's odd because you know, like it is, like when it turns into its other transformer self, it's something that's like prestige and like uh, ancient and mm. something you'd want to like have reverence for. But when it's a big dinosaur, you just want to be, like, hey, booga booga, like <laughs> don't eat that car. <laughs> 
So, while I'm complimenting that it remembered these existed and kept the continuity, I will also then immediately dock points because after one scene of them getting involved with a fight, they're just kind of left here for the rest of the movie and never get involved in anything. <laughs> yeah, and Gerard uh, Carmichael's in it too, and I actually, I think I like him. Like, even in this, I didn't find him, like, he wasn't written to be annoying. Um, There's just not enough of him to actually feel like he's a real character. He's just kind of there. No, he, again, he's just like, oh, he's here's a popular, com- like, up-and-coming comedian. We'll throw him in here because people like him, and it'll give him something for his resume, I guess, for for if he wants to get more movie roles. But like, I don't know, like that that would have been like a decent comic relief, and maybe he would have been allowed to improvise. <laughs> well, again, the problem is, is that they introduce him here, and it feels like because this is the thing. At this point in the movie, there's a little bit of bonding between Wahlberg and Isabella, where it's like mm-hmm. he's kind of accepting that she's a runaway who's going to stay here with him. And we get introduced to this, you know, he's basically, yeah, Jimmy is basically the the TJ Miller of this movie, where he's the guy who works with Wahlberg yeah, and, com- and complains about his job. Watch out, you're going to get turned into a skeleton. <laughs> but the problem is, is that all this stuff, is, and this was really frustrating me about, like, them just ignoring Isabella after Mark Wahlberg leaves, is that, like, all of this set, it felt like this was going to be the, the friendship of the movie, was them. And then they spend almost no time together. There's like one moment at, right at the very end where he says, you did a good job, kid. <laughs> and that's like it. <laughs> like, it felt like it was setting up the main friendship of the whole thing. And then it just, they don't spend any time together for like 90% of the movie. So for some reason, the military group, the TRF, are hell-bent on getting to Mark Wahlberg. Right? Uh, and I think at the start, it's because he's got this like, medallion thing that the Autobot that crashed uh, had on him and it's kind of attached himself to like it's sort of like transformed into like an armband effectively and it's on Mark Wahlberg's arm and this has effectively picked him to be the knight because he has the qualities of a knight. Okay, I mean <laughs> I feel like this didn't really they didn't really establish it was this heroic character I guess in the last one so it felt like a bit of a, he just happens to be the lead guy and your friend. Mm-hmm. Like imagine this was still Witwicky. Imagine this was Shia LaBeouf and it attached itself to him. It's like, you're the chosen one because you have the qualities. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> Just imagine. Yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, I mean, Optimus has already made Sam Witwicky like uh, hit a, a knight of like if he could, right? Because he's made some like an, he's like an honorary transformer because mm-hmm. of all the, the help that, the help that he's provided to them and yes. stuff like that. That was air quotes for the audio listeners. <laughs> Just in case they didn't get it. <laughs> So I could definitely see them doing that if Sam was still leading this franchise. Yep. They got a photo of him, though. <laughs> That's something. Yep. So they show up and like chase them all away, and they end up in this, apparently there's an abandoned town nearby that we don't have to feel bad about getting absolutely destroyed in all the action. But the Decepticons <laughs> come rushing in, because at this point they're now working with the military. Um and go after and this is the thing this partnership with the decepticons which we spent a whole scene with this big you know, we had this comedy bit where the lawyers are sitting behind josh demel and they're sort of saying no we can't let him out he's too dangerous and there's even like a joke where one is actually too bad and they've got they've got him like tied up like hannibal lecter which i'm sure is an intentional reference because anthony hopkins is in the movie um even megatron's like okay fine i'll 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 accept that one but let this other one out like they basically do that comedy beat so we get this extended sequence of setting up all these Decepticons and they're going to work with this TRF military unit 
And then after this one action scene in this abandoned town, is this alliance with the Decepticons ever mentioned, brought up, or have any bearing on anything after that scene? I don't think so. Uh, but there are a lot of scenes that happen, so I could have missed it. <laughs> I don't think it does. I don't think it's ever really brought up again. Um, it's it's so weird. And you know, when they're driving away and they're they're, they're running away from the military group and like the the big, you know, dinosaur transformer like crashes into them and stuff like rios from picard is like oh i hate these they, they killed my men we're going to kill them um and justin l's trying to like no no the autobots are good but no killing no killing uh but he's out for blood and they send in drones uh and we get this big sequence where mark Wahlberg's like hanging from a drone when he gets like thrown out the window uh but the whole thing is that the english robot butler <laughs> is there <laughs> Yeah, listen to those words. The English robot butler is here to pick up Mark Wahlberg and fly him in a plane back to to England to meet with Anthony Hopkins because he's now the chosen knight to... And I got really confused about all this because I'm like, why is there a chosen knight? Because clearly the important character is the Merlin character. Like, yeah. Other than the fact that the thing in his arm turns into a sword that's strong enough to block a Transformer sword later on, does yeah. Mark Wahlberg's inclusion in the plot for the rest of the film actually, like, amount to... Like, specific, specifically, I don't know, like... Uh, just specifically in the sense that he's the chosen one. Like, I get that he's there and he, like, you know, he jumps in and saves her at points and, you know, he, like, well, whatever. sure, I understand. I, I think the only reason it's there is, you know, they made up... They have all that made-up exposition about how behind every night of the round table was a transformer as well. So there is some sort of bond between these knights, these sentinel knights and the knights of the round table. So maybe like he's oh, going yeah. to be the, when, the next one of these or when, something. When Anthony Hopkins has shown them the round table and he's saying, this is where they sat. You get a shot in the past of like the knights sitting around the table and they've all got it's transformers. It's like a coliseum too, because yeah. it has to be big enough to fit all those transformers yeah. in and it. And they've all got transformers standing <laughs> behind them. And it's like, oh, come on, really? We're, you know, so like, and well, this is all going <laughs> on. Robot, like... <laughs> we're, we're introduced to Vivian, who's playing polo, who's given a speech at Oxford about how, uh, she she, she, she's late to her 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 Oxford class because she uh, she was winning at polo. She's just amazing. But she 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 doesn't believe in King Arthur. She's 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 telling her students that it's a bunch of you know nonsense. It's not real, and that's all fine. Um, and then we're introduced to her, her family who are all saying, "You have to find a man. Why are you so alone?" Meanwhile, Mark Wahlberg gets a message from his daughter saying. You've got to find a girlfriend, Dad. You're a loser. You're sad and lonely. Go, go, go find someone. So it's setting up the pieces. She is taken to Anthony Hopkins as well because her car, and this is actually something that was kind of in the third movie. Remember when like the love interest car turned out to be a Transformer and kidnapped her? That's basically mm -hmm. what happens here, except it's a good Transformer who's just taken her to Anthony Hopkins. Um and they even like there's a casual little joke about how she's technically been kidnapped lol she's freaking out she's been kidnapped <laughs> <laughs> and like the car puts her in the in the back and like like has to hold on to her it turns into like a fancy sports car at one point but she arrives just after mark Wahlberg does and anthony hopkins is just spewing nonsense he's putting in weird little hip things he's almost always like he's, he's like uh 
uh, Malkovich in the third one a little bit. Remember when he was putting in like, mm. his weird Twitter dialogue and he was talking about being, I don't know, I can't even remember anything he said, but he had like, you know, cool hip little phrases that he would throw in. Anthony yeah. Hopkins kind of does that here as well. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. There is that. It's very out of place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he Especially gives... Especially because we, we love Anthony Hopkins. I assume oh, we do anyways. Like, he's always good. <laughs> oh, I mean, obviously, yeah. When he's in something good, he's great. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, this is not one of those examples. It, it's like, even he can't make this work. Yes. Yeah. It's actually... I don't think it's till later, because I think this is like the one thing that John Turturro gives to the movie because he, he basically keeps calling Anthony Hopkins and he wants to be brought into the order of the Witwickens because uh, that's his dream to be involved in all this and mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins like says yes over the phone and basically we find out that these big metal parts that are coming out of the ground over the course even- oh god we've not even talked about any of this all right <laughs> no so okay so the big threat that's happening throughout the movie we'll talk about who's who's responsible in a bit but the big threat that's happening throughout the movie is that Cybertron is coming towards Earth and it's going to collide, which was also kind of something they did in the third one, remember? Like, Cybertron was coming down? Cybertron was coming to Earth. In the and it looked one. different there as well. It was more of just a sphere. It was Moonfall. You yeah. Know. yeah. Uh, whereas now it's got all these sticky <laughs> out bits, like it's sort of half exploded and it's kind of, I don't know, whatever. But, so Cybertron's coming to Earth and there's like these big metal, like, things coming out of the ground all over the planet of Earth, right? And it's like, Apparently, Earth had a different name to like the Transformers in ancient times. It was uh, Unicron, which I've heard of from the cartoons, which was like a planet-sized Transformer that it was going to kill everything or something. Um, well, I'm also pretty sure... Sh- I want to say that the trailer for the new movie mentions Unicron, so I'm not sure how... Like, I mean, this one does have sequel bait. <laughs> it does, but the, the new one's not a sequel to this. The new one's a sequel to Bumblebee, and it's set in the past. Okay. Yeah, the sequel bait in this, I don't think, is ever going to get followed up on. I think. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't think yeah. so. I, you know, I. I think this was the first one that, um, you know, because they make they they take so much money to make. Mm. I think this was the first one that was considered like not a success. I mean, it still made like a shit ton, but yeah, like for what it cost. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't worth making another one. The, the. the the slope was going too down <laughs> money wise i mean enough that they're still trying to like reboot it and stuff but yeah like and spin-offs and whatnot but yeah that, basically they were done with michael bay after this i guess like, yeah these, these bay, are you're two. done here's some turtles those already happened by this point yeah and he didn't direct them. i don't know i didn't watch them yeah he's not a director of those though everyone always thinks he directed those movies no no he, he produced them i know but they do look like a michael bay oh they movie. do yeah they, <laughs> they absolutely do um so this is so over the course of the film these things are coming out of the ground and then john Turturro later on says that they're they're only spread out because the earth itself spread out and he brings up was it pangea was the like when all the earth was connected as one big island and then it spread out oh yeah, did we mention that, um, that's his name, um, Toby, Michael Hall is in this. Not Michael Hall. Tony, Tony Hale. I don't know what I'm thinking. Michael Hall? <laughs> I was like, who's Michael Hale? Hall? Michael C. Hall Dexter's in this? What? I'm, putting, I'm putting too many different people in one here. Yes. Tony Hale's in this. Yes, he's he's basically just the guy that they cut to every so often at NASA screaming at the military, we're all going to die. Yeah. That's basically his thing. 
He's the one. He's the Buster. one. Buster yeah. <laughs> he's the one monitoring everything that's going on. Did it make you sad to see him in a Transformers movie? You know, it's just. I'm sure Garrett Graham will be in the next one or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jeffrey Combs and all the other people I love. <laughs> anyway, to, to finish what I was saying is that John Turturro reveals that this was all connected and closer together and the center of whatever this thing is that's coming out through the planet is Stonehenge. That's what Stonehenge is. So it's a yet another thing on Earth that's tied yes. into Transformers. Stonehenge from Pangea. <laughs> Uh, well, maybe the implication is that Stonehenge was built on top of, like, the, you know, the the actual the, transformer the main, thing. Yeah, yeah, the main whatever access point or, or, or whatever it is that is Stonehenge is on top of. Yeah, that's. Uh... Uh, I know I'm making a joke, but like, obviously Pangea was a. A lot longer ago than well, Stonehenge was built. Before dinosaurs and stuff, but like also, um, I, I guess Transformers were were here even before then, even before dinosaurs and. Apparently, apparently. Um, so what's causing all this? They're like, well, they're like so what's causing all this then? This is where we're going to talk about where Optimus Prime is because Optimus Prime ended the last movie by saying, I'm coming for you, my creator, right? He, that's, that was his thing. He flew off out of space. He's going to fight his creator. So here's my problem with this. This is this really stuck out to me. So imagine that a human said, right, I'm going to go find our creator, right? And then you imagine that story playing out. Maybe you do something like Prometheus where it's like you find this alien race or whatever, but it would be a journey. It would be this great like trek. It would be this great thing to find your creator because it's this thing where you're not even sure how real the creator is you know if you're talking about god or if you're talking about something else optimus prime flies all the way to cybertron he lands and then immediately his creator is just standing there <laughs> like she's just there oh hi <laughs> she's like yeah Gemma uh, chan plays quintessa who by the way she looks awful uh and when i say she looks awful like she looks like a like a starcraft villain or something yeah when i say she looks awful i'm not saying the actress looks awful because she doesn't she's she's cg she's like a robotic angel thing i guess Mm -hmm. but she looks awful she's got all these like little like her face is made up of all these little bits and it just looks really computery you know in, in a really unappealing way and the whole thing with this is that she she you know she wants to initiate uh this whole Cybertron goes to Earth and destroys Earth because it's it's Unicron. And she basically just like turns Optimus's Prime and turns him into Nemesis Prime. Which feels like a pretty big plot point. But Is that is that a thing from the cartoons you know about? I don't know. Probably, I guess. I don't know. He's but got purple eyes. His eyes yeah, his eye colour changes. But that so this is set up relatively early on and then Cybertron's like I'd say slowly coming towards Earth. I mean and the actual concept of like getting to Earth in a few days is actually really quick. But you know what I mean? In the, in the pacing of the movie, it's slowly coming to Earth. Um, and that's, okay, fine, you've set that up. So Optimus Prime is just off screen for a long ass time, right? And it's until that we're getting into sort of the third act before Optimus sort of shows up. But, so, at this point in the movie, halfway through, we've had exposition about Knights of the Round Table, the Order of the Wiccans. We have... Autobots fighting in World War Two. We've got a military group that are working with Not Decepticons. Just Bumblebee. 
We've got a military group uh, that is hunting this staff. We've got Quintessa, who's like a Transformer goddess, who is now mind-controlling or like corrupting Optimus Prime, and Cybertron's on its way to Earth. And on top of that, our main characters, uh, Mark Wahlberg is now a chosen one who's going to be the last knight, and Vivian's the descendant of Merlin, and they have to find Merlin's magic staff. Does that sound like a lot? Because it it's a lot. Story. <laughs> is there though? <laughs> yeah. And we've and you know the the team building with the uh, with the with the young girl in the beginning and oh I've already forgotten about her. All those things that we've uh, abandoned. <laughs> yeah, I've already forgotten about her because she's not been in the movie now for like half an hour at this point. By the time we got to all this shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have all these new characters and. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. It's it's overwhelming. And, it it's it's a lot. It's a problem with a lot of modern blockbuster films. It's just there's just so much stimulation. So everything's so hyper stimulating the brain that you're just like I can't. I I I I guess I don't have as many complaints when I'm watching it because I can't keep up with everything that's happening. But it it looks kind of good, so and the action's kind of okay. Like I I don't know. Like what is the point of just having so much in all these films? Like you're trying to make it a big epic, but like most of the epics that we you know have stand, stood the test of time are pretty simple. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's overly complex, and there's just so much going on so quickly. And like the, the this military group. TRF keep chasing the Autobots and keep chasing Mark Wahlberg constantly to the point where they chase them to the, like, the museum where they're getting stuff, then they chase them to the Navy Museum, which honestly the only joke I like maybe in this whole movie is when Mark Wahlberg and uh, Vivian run in like to the, the Navy Museum because they get to the submarine that apparently is like part of the quest and they, run, they jump over the gates and the security guard is ready to jump out and then Anthony Hopkins just comes running up with their grandpa going, don't worry, I've got them. They just really like uh, submarines. I thought that was slightly amusing. Like, that's the bar. That's the bar we're at in this movie where that joke gave me a chuckle and I thought, you know what, that was okay. That's the, that's the bar. And maybe that's just because the, the movie is mentally, like abused me up until this point <laughs> that i'm just i'm ready and willing to just accept the joke. i don't know that i had a response to but, that joke at all <laughs> but yeah like so yeah they find like a clue in like her or her children's like book that her father used to read her that leads her to the, the museum that leads to the submarine and then they go in the submarine to this giant so overly complicated like he had she has to find the, a pop-up book and then follow the clues in the pop-up book like it's, it's like a, like a treasure map yeah it's so stupid and they go in the submarine <laughs> which turns out to i guess be a transformer although it never yeah. actually transforms into something else it no, just... i was waiting for it <laughs> like because they mention it's a transformer she basically flips one switch and it just starts going where it's supposed to go and it's like oh it's because it's a transformer and it's taken her you know it's taken them where they need to go um but it, it never actually transforms into something later on. It never, like, reveals itself. In fact, honestly, even, like, I was actually noticing that towards the end of the movie that Optimus Prime had never been a truck. It's not until the final yes, scene that he's a truck. I agree. Because when you see the truck, you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a truck. That's right. I forgot about that. So, like, so they, but they go in the submarine. And still, at this point, TRF are, like, getting into their submersible, like, vehicles and, like, Josh Duhamel and and uh, Thingy from Picard, like they're inside these submarines as well, and they're chasing them. And I'm like, why are you still chasing these characters? Like, since you started chasing them, 
there's all this big cataclysmic the world's going to end stuff going on like and yet you're still chasing them and there was a point where i just i got i got lost in the shuffle and it's because i think the movie's just got so much stuff going on and it's got so many moving parts yeah that I, I i was getting conflicted i'm like are they chasing them to 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 stop them are they chasing them because they want to get to the spear first are they chasing them for you know and then when they actually do all come to a head and they're you know they all end up inside this big alien spaceship that's at the bottom of the ocean and they find like merlin's crypt and, yeah yeah and they find like all these like uh these night transformers that are also a dormant that eventually wake up like i feel like if we're building up to a confrontation where like Wal- Wahlberg's going to have to make his case where Kay Jager, that's his name <laughs> where Kay Jager is going to have to make his case to to Lennox which by the way, those two don't know each other and yet they, they keep referring to each other like almost on like a first name basis like like they do like, is it, I'm like, you were in the first three movies Mark Wahlberg, you don't know who Lennox is, <laughs> but you keep saying his name like you do know who he is maybe that's just me but that stuck out to me but like i felt like there was like no actual payoff like if, if the whole movie's been this build to like oh when these two groups are finally going to have to face off each other it felt like immediately it's sidelined because the big night transformers start waking up and it's like oh no it's just them trying to survive in action chaos there's no actual you know you've been chasing us now i have to convince you and that that like, complaint extends even worse to optimus because when optimus like comes in here and he kills one of these knights immediately mark Wahlberg knows that something's wrong like he's been taken over and he's not himself that's not optimus but he says it before he does anything bad i think like well optimus has a few lines before then and he's but it's not based much. on those lines is yeah. what he's judging it on he basically says I'm and bumblebee's here. there too right so bumblebee's like kind of confirming well but well, that was even more p- pissed me off though is that try optimus prime <laughs> comes in and he's like acting out a character mark Wahlberg repeatedly says it and then optimus keeps talking like he's a villain and then later on in the scene like towards the end of the scene it just like was a wide shot and like bumblebee's just standing there and i'm like how about when he first does something out of character cut to bumblebee's reaction given that he's his oldest friend it would actually it would matter to him that he's acting out a character especially since the whole thing's going to pay off in an optimus bumblebee fight that's going to happen in five minutes time what why are we not focusing on bumblebee audiences love bumblebee and we love when he has cute expressions or like is very expressive or something you know so like yeah you should like a single you should remember that transformers are like the main characters they are they should should be yeah like a a single reaction shot of bumblebee looking sad and confused is all you needed and they didn't do it worried or yeah they did not do it they focus entirely on mark Wahlberg trying to talk to him and it's yeah well mark Wahlberg's got to get his excalibur or whatever so so he could be the (laughs) the last night (laughs) and I like how you said that. I just burst into spontaneous laughter. <laughs> so, so the whole the whole thing like devolves into action, and the ship like once Optimus has the staff, uh, the ship starts to rise out the ocean. You know, Cybertron's in the sky, and like they all end up on top of the ship as it's sort of on top of the water. But there's like waves crashing in, and it sort of hits them and stuff. And 
we didn't even talk about Mark Wahlberg and uh, Vivian Sexy Legs like having their like dinner date on the submarine because the English butler decided to give them a date. Uh, remember that? That was the whole thing. I don't know why. I mean, is it because he's a butler? He feels like he has to do this, or <laughs> is there a reason where he's like, "Well, you're you have to provide the Merlin lineage because you're the only survivor." So. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty, I don't remember when he said it, but I'm pretty sure at some point in this movie, Anthony Hopkins said the word bitchin'. I don't remember. I'm sure I blocked it out. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he did at one point. <laughs> so, so, but we get this big fight between... So Bumblebee jumps in and starts fighting Optimus, right? And it's this like fight where Optimus is kind of winning, Bumblebee's getting some parts knocked off, although it doesn't really matter because we know they can just reattach, <laughs> as we saw earlier on. Um, yeah. But it's effectively, when he's about to kill Bumblebee, after he's kind of winning the fight, Bumblebee speaks. He uses his own voice, and Optimus says, "I have not heard your voice since the fall of Cybertron." I disagree with that. Yes, end of the <laughs> first we movie. Hear it at the end of the first film, mm-hmm. and it was different as well. It was a different voice. I, again, this is just like no one's going to remember. Just make whatever you want for the lore. Like, well, a lot of people remember the first movie because it's the easiest one to follow, and most people <laughs> enjoyed it when it came out. What's so annoying about this, though, is that Bum- uh, Optimus's eyes just change back, and he's like, Bumblebee, my friend, I'm sorry. Like, I have failed you all, right? M- like, if the-, the whole trailer, right, and then even the setup of this movie is you're setting up that Optimus is the villain. You take out the Decepticons, you have it just be Optimus working for Quintessa, is- is- as much as I think Quintessa's stupid-looking and a stupid, big, dumb, like, anime-style character... But you have more of it. You have, like, Optimus, like, being the villain, and you have the other characters having to, like, deal with the fact that Optimus... You have Optimus be the villain for, like, most of the movie, and then you finally turn them towards the end and have him be the real Optimus Prime again. Instead, he shows up, he acts like a villain for maybe six minutes, (laughs) and then it's over. And they've reverted him back to Optimus Prime, and he's immediately back to making speeches. And they even redo the the joke, if you can even call it a joke, where... uh, he makes a speech about, like, saving the world, and, like, Ken Watanabe and John Goodman are like, oh, man, I love that guy. Oh, it gets me every time when he makes a speech. Yeah, you made that joke in the last movie. Yep. <laughs> I am Optimus Prime. We know. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then, he, then he, uh, like, at some point along all this, uh, Mark Wahlberg calls uh, the people back in his junkyard to, like, come and help with the fight. And the girl Isabel sneaks out of the ship. She's not meant to be there, but they all end up together. And the payoff to the military stuff, because during all this fight, Josh Demel's like there and he's sort of like falling around um, or whatever. So they all end up together. And when they're flying towards Stonehenge, because that's the center of everything, like there's a whole scene where all the military guys like rip off their badges and the, the helicopter, they're like, you know what? Yeah, like, because Mark Wahlberg basically calls him and says, nah, the Autobots saved us, and I never turned on them, but you did, you scumbags. And then they all start ripping off their TRF badges, like, nah, we're all together now. And I'm like, you have not earned this moment. You have done nothing to give me that they've all t- turned the cheek and say, nah, we're Team Autobot now. Like, you've given me nothing. And the Autobots themselves have had almost no time to actually be characters in this movie, so I don't really care about them, even though I feel like I should. Like, all of it, all of it is just... Like, everything is just so undercooked that nothing resonates. None of it matters. Yeah, and even, like, you know, watching these so close together, 
and Josh Jamal, although he was gone for one, if not two films. Yeah, just four. Th- it was only four. He was missing just, four. just four. He was gone. Mm. I, I still should be like, oh, this character, I'm glad to see him. And let's see him do something heroic. And I'm still just like, I don't care about this character. The military stuff in these films suck. Mm-hmm. And this is just a continuation of me not caring about any of this. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, there's zero payoff in the way it's written in this movie, but also his character throughout the entire franchise has just been like, I don't enjoy this. Not to compliment the third movie too much, but I think the third movie, for all the faults that it still had and all the dumb stuff it still did, like it still tried to pay off what was effectively a trilogy where it was like, okay, some of these humans are going to work side by side with the Autobots and... Like, the third act of Transformers 3, while it was over long, is still the most satisfying one, probably, the entire franchise. Because it just, it felt more focused in a way where it was like, okay, we're all going to work together, we're going to take down the Decepticons once and for all, and I feel like 4 and 5 have, like, had to, like, bend over backwards to try and, like, create the conflict. And, like, so we've had all this stuff where, oh, the Autobots are, like, illegal and, like, everyone hates them now. And I'm like, why? Like, the one's giving me a compelling reason why. Well, even like, oh, the Autobots are illegal and they're not, Transformers are no longer allowed. And, but so many of them are like just moving in (laughs) that they can't quite keep up anyway. So it's like, well, is anybody really keeping track? Because like, can't, uh, that's in the introduction too. They're Mm -hmm. just like, but you know, there's just a rain of Transformers all the time. So like, it sounds like they can't keep up with it anyway. So is it really that big of a deal? Meanwhile, uh, there's a relatively pointless scene where Anthony Hopkins like sneaks into 10 Downing Street to talk to the Prime Minister. And <laughs> I can't think... Did anything come of this? Like, was it important? No. No. It's just a cool location. Obviously, he goes into, like, say, hey, you have to listen to me. We're under threat. Blah, blah, blah. Do these things. But I don't think... I don't think he actually makes any decisions that, like, help the final fight, from what I remember. He's trying to get that European audience to <laughs> finally be on board with the Transformers. Does this, it work? Did it work? This is post-Brexit. Uh, 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 okay. <laughs> the UK is not part of the EU anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that said, though, when they probably started making it, it, it would have been before Brexit, I guess, because this came out in 2017. Yeah, yeah, it's right at the, it's right there. Not yeah. After that horrible year, <laughs> for the world, really. <laughs> I know. Yeah, Br- Brexit and Trump in the same year was <laughs> that was that was a wild, wild year. Um, so the other thing that's been going on during this, which I have to question here, um, they keep saying, oh, you know, it's, we're going to cut like a microwave. You know, Cybertron's going to like destroy the world, but. We literally see like Cybertron dragging part of its planet, like because like some of it's like separate. Yeah, it's, like an anchor. Yeah, it, 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 we see it dragging, dragging like over land, and it's obviously huge. So we see it like just outside of Hong Kong at one point, and it's just like like tearing up, and like thousands are the people are dying. Like, I would I would think that the gravitational effect of another planet, like effectively, but like. You know, it's almost like um might screw up our rotation. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like a like a Venn diagram almost, where the two like the two circles of the planets are like overlapping. Surely yeah. that has to mess with everything. Yeah, you know. Well, Tony Hale kind of explains it. <laughs> Does he? <laughs> it's like a jiffy pop in a microwave. He just yells physics. <laughs> I'm not doing this mumbo jumbo. We're we're going to solve this with physics. 
Yeah, well, he he explains it in uh, Star Trek Science, where it's like uh, it's like putting too much air into a balloon. Ah. <laughs> yeah, the action is not that good. I mean, they they all go up to fight on like the the Cybertron thing that's coming down, uh, to go after Quintessa, and Optimus ends up being kind of late for whatever reason, but he he makes a big entrance on the dragon, the three headed yeah. dragon brings in optimus uh there's a whole bit where the teen girl it gets her little robot to blow up like a turret and that's like her one contribution to the whole final act you remember the the last one where i said i kind of enjoyed the set piece idea of having those big lines that attach from Mm. like the the sky to a skyscraper and stuff and they have to you know go through that well they did that again but like times a million (laughs) And I hated it because it was just too much. <laughs> I mean, they get to a point when they're inside the, uh, the, the the ship at the end where they're all like weightless, like they're in space, and they're not mm-hmm. actually in space, but like it sort of plays like that. Right. Yeah. Um. But Optimus has a big bit where he like he decapitates like uh, a bunch of the evil knights uh, transformers with his sword in one swoop, um, mm-hmm. and yells that he's Optimus Prime. He kills Quintessa, <laughs> uh, by. <laughs> Given her a, a a chop of the head, I think, <laughs> from what I remember. Uh, she kind of just turns into energy. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, technically, she's not dead because we do see her. Like, there's a mid-credit scene, kind of, that uh, teases what the sixth movie could be, which is I don't think ever going to happen. Now, uh, I'd be very surprised if they ever pay that off anywhere. Maybe in twenty years, when these movies become nostalgia, oh, thirty God. years or forty years or whatever, we'll have a a flash crossover with uh, Transformers, <laughs> and they'll we'll finally get this long-awaited sequel. The story will have some closure. Oh, yeah. Everyone that, will be satisfied. Because that's what these movies need: is more moving parts. <laughs> that's exactly what they need. When we get the Transformers multiverse, we'll finally uh, we'll finally get that. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that resolution. Mark Wahlberg's weird, like, arm thing turns into a sword at one point, and he saves either Optimus or Bumblebee mid-fight. He's the last knight. Yes. Uh, Anthony Hopkins dies because Megatron shoots him in the face. (laughs) (laughs) At one point, Megatron... That'll do it, yeah. yeah. When Megatron's at the junkyard, actually, he picks up his original head and looks at it. He He has, like, a... It's, it's, a, it's a quarriage from Avatar. I know. The water say that too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm actually going to give it one compliment. Uh, there, there's something I forgot to bring up in the last one that bugged me, but it felt like in the last one there was this conscious effort to never use any of the main themes of the music from the first three. Yes. Um, whereas this one actually did use them. You know, especially towards the end, it started bringing in some of the the, the, the themes from the, the earlier movies. And it felt weird not to do it in the last one because it was like, I guess they were trying to go for this like semi-reboot thing because they changed a lot of the cast, but mm. like this music I associate with Optimus and Bumblebee, so it feels weird that you're, it's like you're doing mm-hmm. a heroic music, but you're trying to avoid using the Transformers or Optimus themes, and it's like and weird. It's, and it's like the best thing these movies have going for them. It is, it is literally <laughs> the best thing they have is the music. <laughs> so yeah, I appreciate at least that was back uh, in some way. Yeah, yeah, so. me too. Did you ever see the Anthony Hopkins movie uh, Remains of the Day? I have not, no. I actually love that film. It's very slow, and he plays... But it's based on a book, a book that had like, a lot of awards, but it's, uh, he plays a, a, a servant, like uh, Mr. Stevens, and he's like a... He's for 
some sort of like Downton Abbey type uh, family, you know, where he's just like, the, he's like the head the servant. Yeah, he, he, the Wembleys. <laughs> the Whitwickens. <laughs> but like, that's, that's his life. Like he gives his life to to servitude for this family and he gets a lot of reward from it even though we watch him and you're like but you're never going to be like this you're never going to be treated like uh, an equal and stuff so it's it's one of my favorite roles that he's ever done because it you just, I, I, I don't know like it's just uh it's a really great performance it's a really interesting character and the whole time i see anthony hopkins with his own robot like <laughs> butler i'm just like are they making a meta thing about this? Are, oh, like, I, I know um, I don't think it so. was a big deal. Like the, the movie was like well-received when it came out and like critically and uh, probably award season. Also, uh, no, I, Emma I, Thompson I, in it and stuff like that. But like, <laughs> I think, I think they made the Hannibal reference with the Decepticon, which is obviously intentional. Um, he, he may have even had some lines that referenced Hannibal at some, or silence of the lambs at some point. Um, mm-hmm. But to be honest, when he was talking a lot and he's expert, you know, that, that section in the middle where he's in the castle talking to the other characters, he talks so much in that section that I definitely didn't pay attention to everything he said. I was definitely zoning out and not here at all. So, because I was kind of half expecting him to say something about, you know, uh, quid pro quo or, you know, some things, a line from Silence of the Lambs, one of, one of the famous things that he said. Mm-hmm. Um, quid pro quo. Because cause they did it, obviously they did this with Leonard Nimoy in the third one, where there was just like five Star Trek references. Yeah. So, you know, clearly it's not something that Bay is, uh, a, a, you know, above doing. <laughs> Bay's not <laughs> above true. doing many things, let's be honest. I don't think that Michael Bay has seen Remains of the Day. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, obviously, like, oh, yeah, okay, I can't believe it. So, there's a French Autobot that's with Anthony Hopkins. I think it's the car that, mm-hmm. uh, what's her face, is kidnapped in. Yeah. But he turns out to be a French Autobot, who's not actually French. And they even point this out, because she even says, what, is he actually French? And he's like, no, he just loves the accent. And he's like, no, I, I, I hate the accent. We be, <laughs> like, <laughs> whatever. I don't know what they're doing there. <laughs> but they set up this thing that's also kind of a big deal. He has like a grenade weapon that like slows down time in a bubble. It's a very video game thing, right? This is exactly yeah. the sort of thing you get in some video games. And they set it up and I'm like, oh, that feels like a big thing to set up. And they do, but they only use it once later on. And it's right and I to the point where I forgot that it was set up, but they use it right at the end when the two humans are falling to their death and he shoots the time grenade and it slows them down, you know, long enough that Optimus can come in and, and grab them. And then we get the big moment right at the end as Optimus, for the first time in the whole movie, drives out of the smoke uh, as a truck. Because he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's just been walking around the whole thing. Um, and he comes out, and that's when he starts his speech, and the movie's done in, like, you know, 30 seconds later, because these movies wrap up. Like, they're so long, but they go through so much and, like, have no breathing room, which should not, yeah. which should not be possible in a two-and-a-half-hour movie, is to not have breathing room. But they don't. Nope. It's just go, go, go. Yeah, and then this I one. Assume this, I, I assume this movie was supposed to be longer too, and then Probably. studio was like, "No, we can't have another Age of Extinction length movie." Please, and this one has it. the balls to like do the, this like mid credit scene. It's not even like a minute. It's if anything, it's like a just ongoing credit scene because as the credits start playing, you see like some different locations, and then you see uh, the Quintess 
Yeah. Who's no human I, I, looking. I don't mind that style. I thought that was kind of neat, actually. I'm like, I mean, it's fine, we're getting, yeah. the, we're getting the mid-credit scene as the credit is going. I, 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 really no, I, I don't mind the technique of doing it that way. Yeah. I, I, I do mind that this movie has the balls to try and set up something <laughs> with this really shit villain. And it's, but it, although it's kind of funny now, because now it's like clear that we're never going to get this. Like, this yeah. is never going to be paid off. And, well, it does bring back something that we mentioned earlier. Like, doesn't this seem like a big deal that a Transformer can just disguise itself as a person? It's, that's so realistic. Even if you're touching yeah. it, you can't tell. Well, although, I mean, to be fair, though, I would not relate this to that. And just in the sense that this feels like she's like their god. So she can just do this. Right. You know? And the other thing was like a dog creature. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, like... It's that, yeah, it's still a huge deal that a Decepticon was able to do it in the second movie. With this, I'm like, oh, this is because she's more powerful. She's like a, she's she's something else. She's not just yeah. a transformer, kind of thing. Um, but she's so lame, and there's like barely any like exploration of who she is or where she comes from or why she creates why why she even wants to destroy Earth. Like, why? I don't know. <laughs> like, like she beats up optimus a little bit when he first gets there and says oh you know you stupid like transformers had a war with each other uh, mm-hmm. and she's mad about that but otherwise we don't really get much from her to suggest like why she cares about things you know what, what her motivations are or what she wants other than just let's destroy earth and i'm trying to think if i can remember a line that she said about what her motivation would be because when when she has she does have a conversation with Prime when he first meets her, and I want to say it's brought up there about why she wants to go for Earth. It may be, but yeah. I can't remember. Like it's there's so much of that happened in the film. So. I think the problem is though, if it is there, and I believe you that it probably is, is that it's probably one line of dialogue, and then it quickly like you know moves on. Next scene. Yeah. <laughs> We said a thing, now cut cut to uh, the military talking about things. Now cut to Tony Hale freaking out about satellite charts. Now cut to Mark Wahlberg saying that he misses his daughter. Now cut to the French Autobot. Now cut to the English robot butler. Now cut to Anthony Hopkins saying bitchin'. Like, it, it just... <laughs> yeah, you know, for a lot of, like, Mark Wahlberg is in hiding, and he says he can't contact his daughter because if they know where each other are, then they'll both be arrested or something. Yes. So it's a big sacrifice that he's doing this. But, like, he sure makes himself very public to a lot of people that could arrest him. Yeah, they basically know where he is the whole movie anyway, so it feels kind of irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, also, Bumblebee gets a tracker put on him at the start of the movie, and you think, oh, that'll be a big deal. And then after they follow him once, Bumblebee transforms, and then the other Autobot just kind of notices it and goes, what's this? And then just says, Bumblebee, you fool, you got tracked. And then that's <laughs> it. We just, we just move on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, that that I I feel like it didn't feel as long as the last one because the last one was literally longer, but this I think has the dumbest plot. This this has the most insulting. We're just throwing all these really weird ideas without a care yeah. in the world kind of attitude. I honestly like I would have liked this more if we just stayed with the king arthur story and like that was that was the movie like we'll just do a transformers in medieval times like that could be fun oh sure yeah that, that could be and again but the the key thing is it'd be more simple and that's what it needs it needs to be more simple yes complexity for complexity's sake is not a good thing it just yeah yep like th- this movie cannot juggle all these elements effectively and that's what it does in the next film because we've already reviewed bumblebee 
and true, that was a true. much simpler story with basically two characters and a comic relief that was funny in John Cena. And and the thing is, is that yeah, Bumblebee, and I don't remember it that well, but like, you've got this friendship between her and Bumblebee, and the whole point is, is that you know it's kind of like a, a big hero six or a how to train your dragon, where you've got your main character, or Herbie the Love Bug, which you probably haven't seen, but <laughs> I, I haven't. watched those movies when I was a kid. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, I, I get the comparison. Like, it's like a character, and then the special character who, in this case, is a transformer, but it could be anything. It could you know a car, it could be mm-hmm. uh, a dragon, it could be whatever. But you've got that friendship that forms and they stick out for each other and they're going to protect each other and you do a simple story and lo and behold, Bumblebee is pretty much universally praised as the best Transformers movie. Yeah. As being all right. Yeah. It's not amazing <laughs> by any means, it, it, but it, it's definitely watchable. I might try and re- rewatch it before we do uh, the new one, just so, mm-hmm. just so I've got all of them fresh in my head for comparison's sake. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if it is a prequel to that one or a sequel to that one. Sequel, yeah, because it's the it's, 90s. I think it's this new one. Okay, it's the 90s. All right, it makes sense. So, yeah, like, yeah, maybe I will too. Probably not. <laughs> I don't want to promise it, but I, I might try and squeeze it in just for the sake of... Maybe uh, I'll just listen to our review while I'm driving uh, for work or something. Hey, that's an idea. <laughs> Why not? Um, yeah. I'm sure there was more dumb things I wanted to bring up, but there's so many of them that there was no way I was ever going to like <laughs> hit on all of them. Yes. I was actually pretty worried about going into this. I'm like, I don't know how much I like really took in that film and how much I'm going to have to say, but I, I feel like we've caught, we've, we've been on the equal like understanding this whole thing. So <laughs> I guess I did watch it. Did you like the scene where, they're looking for the, the clues to find the staff. So uh, Vivian and Wahlberg go up to like her old her father's old study and no. they're looking for stuff <laughs> and her mother and aunties are listening downstairs and it sounds like they might be having very weird rough sex. Yeah. Because they're saying things because there's banging and there's things falling and then one of them says, Go faster. <laughs> like Another one says, I can't get it out. Say so, yeah, something like that, yeah, yeah. I can't pull it out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, then maybe he says something like, come on, just open it, or, or open up or something. Yeah, like, there's a lot of just dialogue that's meant to sound like it might be dirty. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the joke. And one of them's hornies, and she wants to go look, and the other one's saying, no! Uh, yeah, which, by the way, uh, aren't you related to this woman? Like, that's a bit... I mean, it's weird anyway, but that's especially weird. They're going to be pretty upset when they go up there and they see all the pictures have been busted. And I know! <laughs> <laughs> everything's been broken, ripped off the walls. <laughs> We get no follow-up uh, to them. That should have been the post-credit scene. Like, oh dear, <laughs> they're stumbling upon their priceless he, antiques all ruined. <laughs> he does ask her out on a date, so maybe you could, yeah, the mid-credit scene could have been them actually at a normal date or something. If you really wanted to do a bit, I, I actually I said post-credit. I don't know if there's a post-credit. I watched the mid-credit and assumed that was the end. So did I. I just turned it off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there may have been something. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know if any of these have had that. Maybe they have. I don't know. I, I always check. I don't know why I didn't check with this one. I guess I was just done. I'm done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely feel like I'm just done when I got to the end of this. There's so many things. English Robot Butler. I couldn't believe it. It's such a stupid character. Yeah. And the idea that it's been around forever also is just so dumb. And everything, like, like I say, the biggest problem with this movie is how messy it is and how many, so many things it sets up then disappear 
and I'm like, oh, the Decepticons are back. And it, like, what even happened to the Decepticons by the end? Like, did Megatron get killed, or did he just run away? Like, where was he right at the very end exactly? I don't, I don't think I know. Uh, really... I want to say he got stabbed, but I don't think he's dead. Were they even involved in the final fight? I don't. It think... was yeah. There was there was like a one-off line. Okay, I think I remember. There was a one-off line. There's. Optimus and Megatron. Megatron says, "We need each other" or something, and then Optimus <laughs> stabs him and throws him off the side of the spaceship before they go into zero G. Okay, so he's probably. I did around. watch this movie. <laughs> for, he's around for a potential sixth movie that will never happen. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. But it was kind of anticlimactic. Like there was one line from the the line between them. Of like I'm your Joker and you're my Batman. Mm. It didn't 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 really resonate with me either. So <laughs> you need me or we need each other or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, you know, I was just ringing a bell, something vague like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And at the end, Optimus is all, "Earth is the only place that let us call home. Yeah. We will protect it. Autobots come to Earth," which is basically what he said at the end of the first movie as well. <laughs> He's like, "Here, we're here. Come and mm-hmm. hang out on air." Uh, here's my here's our signal if you're out there and that's basically it credits start to roll there's a, there's <gasps> are a we team. done Quint S is there threatening to be a villain in a future movie and that's it yeah yeah we're done yeah I think we're done I oh my god there's a, there's a bunch of stupid stuff that I could probably talk about but I uh, yeah, I think I think my are we done with these Michael Bay Transformers movies? <laughs> yeah, forever. We, we have a non-Michael Bay Transformers movie, but that does seem like a lesser evil. <laughs> it does, and apparently the buzz is okay, which is, is you know good. Yeah, it's good. I mean, early social media reactions, you know, like like a lot of bad movies have had good positive social media buzz because you know reasons. I don't suspect it'll be as bad as anything that we've watched in the last couple of months, though. I think that's a fair. Ex- I think that's not like a, that's not an unrealistic expectation. I'll say that that's not unrealistic. So keep your expectations low. And it may not be as good as Bumblebee, which for me was only medium good anyway. But yeah, that's uh, if it's anywhere between the first one and Bumblebee, I'm okay with that. I, I wonder though if I do watch Bumblebee in the next week or two. Like after watching all these, I wonder how good it might feel in comparison. Like it was, it's probably yeah, gonna, that's I'm, true. I'm probably going to come out of it being like that was a ten, baby. That was a ten. Yeah, and you've <laughs> never seen this one, so. <laughs> yeah, as far as like, ranking... or you might just be like, I just hate these characters so yeah. much. <laughs> I mean, as far as ranking these goes, like, like it's probably this is still worse than the second one. I may say it's. I might say the fourth has felt more of a slog than this one, so this is probably middle. It's, it's probably That's where I'm putting it, middle. So I think it's either Dark of the Moon or the first one's first, and it kind of depends on like what your priority... The worst one, you mean, yeah. As best, no. Dark of the Moon is best? That's the third one. Oh, you're just rating the sequels, because I would put the first one as... No, I, I, said it would, I said it's either the first one or Dark of the Moon. Okay, okay. Depending on your, your preference, right? And then, so those are one and two, whatever order you like. And then, probably last night, and the fact that that's in third place is like an indictment of where, like how bad some of these are. The other two are just yeah. really bad, yeah. And then you get to <laughs> Age of Extinctions in fourth place, and then last place is Revenge of the Fallen. 
That's... I'm, I'm glad you're with me on Revenge of the Fallen. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people would put that one a bit higher because it was right after the first one. But man, it was it was miserable. Yes. But that I was think... a life-changing experience when I saw that in the theater. But there are parts of Last Night in Age of Extinction that are worse than Revenge of the Fallen. Like, Revenge of the Fallen is the worst one overall, but they all have their own unique extra like problems there is nothing worse than witwicky's parents in the second <laughs> film <laughs> nothing even comes close to being that bad oh no i don't that is, that is that. literally the worst thing that michael bay has ever directed i i no, i don't know scenes. i think some things are in the he- in the hemisphere of it. i i don't think i would say nothing else comes close because there's definitely some other really bad stuff but at that point we're we're at semantics so i think we can we can rate uh the last night <laughs> okay yes well now that we've done because i i agree I, I i think this is in the middle so i'm gonna go with a 3.5 i don't really know i don't remember all my ratings for all of them but yeah. i think that's probably right but i i also feel like it deserves 3.5 yeah i'm trying to remember why i gave the rest of them i think i think <laughs> I think I gave like a two to Revenge of the Fallen. What did I give Age of Extinction? Was that like a three? Something like that. I don't remember. Mm. I think I want to give this like a three as well. Three feels right. Three out of ten. Not out of five. I want to make that clear. If this is your first episode of this show, we're rating out of ten here, <laughs> not out of five. <laughs> so... Yep. Our yeah. ratings doubles as percentages. Yes, so <laughs> because all of them would, but you know, it's just easy because it's intense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a three out of five is still a percentage. It's just you have to do a bit of math to <laughs> to get there. Well, I mean, like even like a yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, with that, we are done with these awful Michael Bay Transformer sequels, and we're going to celebrate by doing a movie I really like. <laughs> I've never seen this movie. Next week we are doing Tron Legacy. Um, I, I hope I like it half as much as you. I'm not convinced I will, but I, I, I'm going in with an optimistic mind. I really like the film. Um, I don't know if I would call it like a great movie, but I think it's much better than the first one. And you know, after the watching, uh, we we watched it the not too long ago. I, you know, I still think this one's better. And I think the if any if anything, you're going to leave with a new favorite score. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see. That's next next time on the show. Of course, uh, I think by the time this goes out, uh, our most recent bonus episode on Patreon should be up, which is Gamera, the giant monster from 1965. Uh, oh. it's, it's a pretty silly movie. We have a pretty silly conversation about it. Uh, it is the 49th... <laughs> it was fun. It was fun much. It is the 49th bonus episode that we've done. Uh, so there's a whole back catalogue now that you can get for $3 a month on Patreon, plus there's bonuses of other shows. And at the $5 tier and up, you also get access to the Ace Meltdown, which is just our show that we do monthly, talking about all the different random movies we've been watching that are not sci-fi. So We'll have one of those coming up soon. Uh, a couple of weeks for that, yeah. Uh, so uh, go and uh, check all that, get some bonus content and support the show and keep it coming. Uh, but that is us. That has been this relatively anger-filled episode. Oh. Yes, the sun has come up in Tra- in your background because we mm. finally finished these movies. The darkness has lifted. Yes. 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> I may have been particularly tetchy during this one, so uh, I'm not going to apologize. It's completely justified given the movie we're talking about, <laughs> but I'm just acknowledging it. <laughs> I'm acknowledging it. So that is that is the show. Thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer at Salsa. What's what's up? You got you got so head there. <laughs> well, I'm not recording. I never hit record. <laughs> Are you recording me as backup? Yes.